Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi, I hope you're hanging in there with us. We are again this time going to talk from Exodus chapter 32 and surrounding passages about why exactly it was that some of the people of Israel were punished to the max after the building of the golden calf and Aaron it seems at first glance at least was given a pass and he was the one who built the golden calf he was the one who lied about the golden calf and then he escaped with without a scratch so what's up with that and we're kind of talking about some perspectives about that particular question. Last time we talked about five points. Number one is I don't necessarily know why he wasn't punished. God doesn't have to tell me why he wasn't punished, but I know that God always gets it right. Number two, Aaron was a free moral agent, but even in this big sin that he he could have chosen not to sin but since he did choose to sin of course god in his providence uses that sin to bring us to christ to show us what a great and better system we are under because our high priest is not sinful was capable of overcoming the every temptation of the devil and because he did suffer through temptation without being without sinning he is qualified then perfected in his suffering to become our high priest and that is borne out over and over again of course in the book of hebrews as well as other passages galatians chapter 3. number three we spent time establishing that chapters prior to exodus 32 four chapters were spent in consecrating showing us the consecration process for the Aaronic priesthood the cleansing even of that priesthood so God was saying these are just men these are men who are capable of sinning and certainly we're about to learn that truth they will sin but I will cleanse and we again can see the contrast between their high priest and our high priest and aren't we thankful for that number four Aaron had already been called God had already chosen the Levites to be the priestly tribe. We read about that in those passages that we just mentioned, but yet those commands for their sanctification and cleansing had not yet been carried out. And number five, Aaron's life did end in a public punishment for sin, for specifically for the sin of pride at Meribah, where Moses and Aaron uh, struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. So, five more. Number six, his penitence to me, and this one is really crucial, his penitence to me does seem evident from Exodus chapter 32. And that's where the whole incident happened, of course. But it says Moses in verse 25 saw that the people were broken loose for Aaron had let them loose unto their shame among their enemies. So other countries uh, surrounding peoples were looking on and seeing this embarrassing situation. 
Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did, according to the word of Moses, and their fellow the people that day about three thousand men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. So it seems to me what had happened here is that Moses drew a line in the sand and said, who's going to continue down this path of idolatry, giving your allegiance to someone besides God? And who is on the Lord's side? And it was every son of Levi that stepped across the line and said, We are on the Lord's side. Well, Aaron was one of those sons of Levi. To me, I, I think we would have to infer, though it is not specifically stated using Aaron's name, I think we would have to infer that Aaron here, in a pretty public way, made his penitence known. Now, granted, I know it's hard for us because we read this right after we read about his lie, but I think this has got to be in the book for some reason, that Moses drew the line in the sand and said, who is on the Lord's side? And then those people who stepped across the line, not knowing that they were the ones who were going to be spared, not knowing even yet about the killing of the 3,000, they stepped across the line and said, We've done the wrong thing. And, and the scripture even says there, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. So I believe that um, those, all of the sons of Levi who said we're on the Lord's side, I believe that infers a, a repentance on the part of those Levites, which would include, of course, Aaron, him being a Levite. Number seven in our list, the Levites then were chosen to replace the firstborn shortly after this incident. What do you mean by that, Cindy Colley? Well, I mean, if we turn back to the time when the firstborn was killed in the 10th plague in the land of Egypt, God at that time said, I'm going to hallow the firstborn. The firstborn among your generations Israel will be mine. They are going to be sanctified from among you. I'm going to pull them out and they are not going to be yours. They are going to be mine. I'm going to take your firstborn for my service. That's really what God had said way back then in the time when the Passover first occurred. But right after this happened, the Levites were chosen to replace the firstborn sons throughout all the land of Egypt. That is, God said, I'm picking Levi to be my firstborn. I'm picking this tribe to be my firstborn, and they're not going to inherit any land. They're going to be set apart from you to minister throughout your land. That is, every neighborhood in your land is going to, every 
tribe in your land is going to have to have a priesthood in order to offer the sacrifices, etc., that I'm commanding you to, the rituals that I'm commanding you to uh, display before me, these priests are needed all over the land of Egypt. So they're not going to get any of their own land, but they're going to be the firstborn that you're going to give to my service. He replaced this firstborn law that he had made at the time of the Passover with these Levites. Let's look at that real quickly at Numbers chapter 3. We look at verse 5. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may minister to him and they will keep his charge and the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. They'll keep all the instruments of the tabernacle, the charge of the children of Israel, the service of the tabernacle, and give the Levites to Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given unto him out of the children of Israel and you will appoint Aaron and his sons and they will wait on their priest's office and the stranger that comes nigh shall be put to death. That is just these sons of Levi. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that opens the womb among the children of Israel, the Levites will be mine because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed or made them holy or set them apart to me. All the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, mine shall they be. I am the Lord. God is reviewing what he said back in Exodus chapter 13, verses 2 and 12. He's reviewing that and saying, I said that all the firstborn are are going to be mine, but I'm going to take this tribe of Levi for my firstborn. How literally did God mean that? Well, he meant it pretty literally when we look at Numbers 8 verses 1 through 16. It's really interesting. This is where God, of course, is counting the people. He's actually going to count the the Levites in a different way. He's really going to count them twice. But he says, take the Levites, verse 6, from among the children of Israel and cleanse them and do to them and cleanse them and sprinkle water of purifying on them. Let them shave all their flesh, wash their clothes, make themselves clean. Take a young bullock with his meat offering, even fine flour mingled with oil, and another young bullock you will bring for a sin offering, and bring the Levites before the tabernacle of the congregation, and gather the whole assembly of the children of Israel together, and bring the Levites before the Lord. He is really setting them apart here, that they may execute, verse 11, the service of the Lord. And the Levites will lay their hands on the heads of the bullocks, Verse 14, separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, for they will be mine. They are for, verse 15, doing the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, so you cleanse them. This is just really uh, repetitive and underlining the fact that God is setting the Levites apart as the firstborn, for they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel, Instead, verse 16, of such as open every womb, instead, he's really making it clear here, instead of the firstborn of all the children of Israel, have I taken them to me? 
For all, verse 17, the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. On the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself. We're going back to Exodus chapter 13, verses 2 through 15. God made a promise, I'm taking all the firstborn. And here he says, instead of those firstborn of every family, I'm going to take the tribe of Levi. How literally did he mean that? He meant it very literally. Because in verse 21, the Levites were purified. They washed their clothes. Aaron offered them as an offering before the Lord. Aaron made an atonement for them to cleanse them. This is he. This is those, verse 24, who belong to the Levites from 25 years old and upward. They're going in to wait on the service of the tabernacle of the congregation from the age of 50 years, they shall cease waiting on the service thereof, and they shall serve no more. So every Levite had to serve for 25 years, and then his service was finished. So hold that thought. We're coming back to it in our last point, but hold that thought. Levi, the children of Levi, every single one of them from age 25 to 50 were going to be used in the service of God instead of the firstborn throughout all the land of Egypt. It's interesting to think about how that when a father of a family went up to to offer his sacrifices, to give his lamb to the priest. Every single time, I'm sure he thought about the fact that this priest was taking the place of his son, that he got to live with his son, that he got to have his son with him, that he got to train up his son uh, in the family business, in whatever it was, instrument making or farming or whatever it might be, that he had an inheritance that was going to come through his son because the Levite was taking the place, being the substitute for his firstborn son. Very interesting concept to think about. Now, number eight in our list, it is widely believed that Exodus 32:26-28 is the reason that they were chosen to be the firstborn instead of those genetic firstborns. I mean, when they said, we are on the Lord's side, Master, here am I, is what we sing. Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? Who will make reply, I am on the Lord's side, here am I. Well, those Levites stepped across the line. Most scholars believe that, because it follows so closely on the heels, that uh, these Levites, who were then sanctified as the firstborn of God were so sanctified because they were the ones who stepped across the line and were wholly faithful following the great debacle, the great sin of Exodus chapter 32. Number nine, Genesis 49, five through seven is prophetic. And this is when Jacob's dying, verse one, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which will befall you in the last days. Verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brethren. They are instruments of cruelty. 
The American Standard Version says they are weapons of violence in their swords. They are weapons of cruelty or violence and that those weapons are in their houses or their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, to their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dug a wall, or they hawked an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and I will scatter them in Israel. So I do believe that's a bit prophetic. We're talking about Levi right now. And he did scatter them. He did not give them a land inheritance. The violence spoken of, of course, is the violence against Shechem back in Genesis chapter 34 after the sexual assault on their sister. And when we read about that, we understand here that Jacob is prophesying that they will be scattered in Israel. So, it did come to pass that Levi, because of this incident in Shechem, but yet the violence then... So what happened in Exodus 32? Well, God gave them a sword again. This first time they took their own sword in the incident with Shechem in Genesis chapter 34. They took their own sword and they did violence and God wasn't pleased with that. But God gave them swords in Exodus chapter 32, told them what to do with the swords. They again displayed that violence in obedience to God's command, and God took them on as the firstborn, replacing the firstborn sons among all of Israel. God took Levi then as a firstborn because of their obedience even in a command to slaughter with those swords. He took them then and made them his firstborn. So actually this violent sword was used in a, turned, say metaphorically, into something that pleased the Lord. I don't know if metaphorically was the correct word, but at any rate, those swords were turned into instruments of obedience in Exodus chapter 32. And God then rewarded that by making them his firstborn. And this prophecy that they would not have land but would rather be scattered throughout Israel came to pass because they became the firstborn tribe instead of the genetic firstborn. So I believe that Genesis chapter 49 verses 5 through 7 is prophetic of that. And finally, there had to be a firstborn substitute. I really love this. There had to be a firstborn substitute. Look at Numbers 3, and we kind of go to the end of that chapter, verse 44. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is again reiterating the same thing about the firstborn substitute. Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle and the Levites will be mine. I am the Lord. 
And for those who are to be redeemed of the 203 score and 13 of the firstborn of the children of Israel, which are more than the Levites, then for those, take five shekels apiece by the pole. After the shekel of the sanctuary, will you take them? And the shekel is 20 geras. And you will give the money wherewith the odd number of them is to be redeemed to Aaron and to his sons. And so Moses took the redemption money of them that were over and above them that were redeemed by the Levites. This is just very interesting here. Because man for man, the Levites had to be counted. And if there were more firstborn throughout the nation of Israel than there were Levites, then those people who were the extras had to be paid for in money. That is, if there are 200, how many were there? 203 score and 13, so that's 273 more men in Israel than there were Levites to substitute for them. They had to be substituted man by man. And if there weren't enough and there weren't enough at this point, those 273 had to be paid for. So Moses took the redemption money of them that were over and above them that were redeemed by the Levites. Of the firstborn of the children of Israel took he the money. A thousand three hundred and three score and five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the money of them that were redeemed to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. I just think it's very interesting that man to man, there had to be a match. There had to be somebody who was of the priestly tribe, of the tribe of Levi, of the firstborn. There had to be a firstborn substitute for every man. And for those who were not, there was a price to be paid. Just let that soak in for a minute. Do we, do we have to have a firstborn substitute? We had to have that at Calvary, didn't we? Man to man, we had to have a firstborn substitute. But he died once. For how many of us? For all of us? Our substitute, our priestly, our high priest substitute, better than the substitute that was in the firstborn tribe of Aaron because it wasn't a perfect sacrifice and it had to be made over and over again. But there had to be a firstborn substitute for every firstborn, not every man, but every firstborn in the house had to have a substitute in the Levitical tribe that God had called out to be his firstborn. And God has a firstborn today. And we are all dependent on the substitutional sacrifice of that firstborn. I hope you're having a good study. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Aaron messed up really badly.
in Exodus chapter 32. And God used that failure to make us appreciate to the maximum that we as finite human beings can our substitutionary sacrifice. He, the firstborn, intercedes for you and for me. And praise God for that. Have a great rest of your study in Exodus. Looking forward to the video podcast. That'll be on October 27th, I think is the date. That's a Tuesday night. Looking forward to being with you then. Have a good and beautiful autumn.